0: The Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, associate editor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit Newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. Today, I'd like to introduce John Wallace, an assistant professor of weed science with Penn State University. John will be discussing interceding today. Welcome to the podcast, John.
1: Thanks, Sarah. Happy to be here.
0: To get us started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, I'm an extension weed scientist working in field and forage crop systems here at at Penn State. Uh, So growers in in Pennsylvania have adopted no-till and cover cropping practices at pretty high rates. So a good bit of my research uh, program focuses on addressing weed management opportunities and challenges associated with conservation practices uh, like interseeding.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get right to our topic for today. Um, talk a little bit about the best timing for interseeding into corn.
1: Well, I think, um, interseeding timings, um, really going to depend on the type of equipment you have available to interseed. So Mm -hmm. most of my research is focused on interseeding earlier in the corn growing season, uh, Mm -hmm. using a high clearance grain drill. So, if you have access to a high clearance grain drill, and the plan is to try to establish that cover crop between 30-inch rows, um, research at Penn State uh, has shown that the best timings uh, probably going to be around the V4 growth stage. Um, so interseeding at that timing allows the cover crop to establish and achieve some root growth uh, before canopy closure. Um, and so we'll probably talk more about this, but. You know, the other considerations about that timing is herbicide programs and fertility management as well.
0: Great. So, why might some growers prefer to interseed cover crops rather than trying to establish them in the fall?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and an important um, point. So, if, if you're in a region where corn grain harvest typically occurs around say the historical first frost date and fall growing degree days are going to be limited post-harvest. You're really likely um, limited to sowing cereal rye or another uh, winter cereal and the conservation benefits associated with uh, overwintering cover crops like soil erosion and and fall nitrogen scavenging um, are going to be limited. So if that describes your region then interseeding a cover crop might be a viable alternative and interceding the cover crop and establishing that cover crop earlier also opens up opportunities for kind of increasing biodiversity because most of the legume and brass cover crops that growers are interested in need a longer fall growing season window to establish than kind of post-harvest establishment permits um, in corn grain systems
0: so have you seen that cover crop establishment rates are better when cover crops are interseeded?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think it depends on what your standard practice is after corn. In no-till systems, drill interseeding is going to improve seed-to-soil contact and, and establishment rates relative to, say, broadcasting cover crops early or mm-hmm. even late in the season. Um, And my experience has been that the persistence of the cover crop through the kind of period of environmental stress or or warmer period during the summer uh, that's going to occur after corn canopy closure is is a much bigger driver than establishment rate. So we typically see pretty good initial establishment uh, when we are drill interseeding cover crops into corn. So if you're comparing Drill interseeding cover crops into corn at earlier growth stages compared to, say, post-harvest establishment using a drill. It'll just depend on what your fall growing season looks like post-harvest. If you have a nice long window post-harvest, you'll likely have greater consistency establishing cover crops post-harvest. If you have a short season post-harvest, you might find greater success by drill interseeding.
0: What are some best management practices that growers should keep in mind when they're interceding?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's it's always good to think about the management goal for interceding because that's going to help determine the species selection and the approach and some other considerations. So our research suggests that timing is kind of everything. So you know, best management practices need to consider things like labor logistics. So given all the other things that might be going on with farm operations early in the corn growing season, you know, do you have the capacity to be out there at the right stage of corn uh, to really optimize uh, interseeding? So you need to be able to prioritize that that practice at the right time. And so from an agronomic perspective, herbicide selection, fertility approach and crop management decisions like um, hybrid choice and and population drop are are also going to be important to consider.
0: You mentioned earlier that legumes and brassicas seem to work well for interseeding uh, simply because they, they need that longer growing period. Are there other species of cover crops that work best for interseeding?
1: In the northeast, and I think it's probably also similar in some parts of the upper Midwest. When we intercede at those stages, we find the greatest consistency with annual rye grass, medium red clover, and crimson clover seem to do well. Uh, forage radish also seems to do well. Uh, these species seem to be shade tolerant enough to persist under corn canopies on a fairly consistent basis. Basis. But I'm always interested to see what others are trying because some folks are having success with other species and, and, and some folks are, are trying really high diversity cover crop mixtures. Uh, but for example, it'd be great if we could consistently establish cereal rye as an interseeded uh, cover crop and, and have it persist, um, given its fit ahead of a, of a soybean crop. So, you know, a nice rotational fit. But here in the north northeast we've had pretty inconsistent results with cereal rye where in some other locations i think they 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 may do better with cereal rye
0: what have you seen as the return on investment for interseeding cover crops
1: yeah that's that's a tough question answer for a number of reasons so first you know most of our work has really focused on drill interseeding rather than broadcast seeding and so that's going to require a specialized piece of equipment. Uh, and so there's some upfront kind of capital expenditures to consider when you're thinking about a return on investment. But from a crop production standpoint, there, there doesn't seem to be either a yield drag uh, or much of a, of a yield benefit to the corn crop. Um, and I, I don't believe there's a there's a body of work that is really measured interseeding impacts to a subsequent crop in the rotation. But um, from a soil health perspective, we can at least frame or think about this question based on the standard practice, whatever the standard practice is after corn in your rotation, whether that be leaving fields fallow or post-harvest seeding a cover crop. And, And so if interseeding results in continuous living cover uh greater biomass potential or more diversity in the rotation relative to the current practice then uh, we should expect to see some long-term returns on the on the investment that come from building soil health
0: you mentioned earlier that timing is a really important factor in interceding what other factors can impact how successful interceding will be as a practice
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we frequently, you know, from agricultural scientists talk about G by E by M interactions. So genetics by environment, by management interactions. And so for interseeding corn and cover crop genetics, uh, probably matter, management certainly matters, but I think environmental conditions are probably the biggest driver of success. So in warmer climates uh, with high corn yield potentials, those conditions are just more challenging to establish cover crops by interseeding. Whereas northern climates like here in the northeast or parts of the upper um, Midwest that are cooler and may have lower corn yield potentials seem to be a better fit for this practice. These kind of northern climates are also where we struggle to integrate winter cover crops after, uh, you know, corn grain harvest. So interseeding is a practice that really should be investigated in in those regions.
0: How does interseeding affect weed management?
1: I think it's useful to think about weed management decisions from two different starting points when it comes to interseeding. Um, You can either design herbicide programs around your cover cropping strategy, uh, including which species you interseed, or you can design your cover cropping strategy to fit with the herbicide program that you need to, to meet those crop protection goals. And so as a weed scientist, I'm, I'm inclined to suggest that the, the weed management decision comes first. So we know that residual herbicide programs that we use in quorum uh, have to be reduced in order to intercede uh, due to this potential for cover crop injury as a result of Kind of persistent soil activity of certain residual products and so the the presence of multiple resistant weed species like common water hemp or palmer amaranth um are going to make it difficult to intercede and meet crop protection goals because uh soil applied residuals are, are really essential for for controlling these species but i also see uh, many farms that have diverse crop rotations and uh cover cropping is really prioritized in their rotation and so diverse crop rotations are really the foundation of sustainable weed management and and these farms then tend to just do pretty well with simple herbicide programs Um, and that really opens up even more opportunities for how they can integrate cover crops like interseed. we'll be right back
0: to the podcast but first i want to thank our sponsor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake and achieve stronger ROI and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsym.com 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. And now back to the podcast. What herbicides are best to apply to the crop that aren't going to impact the cover crop that has been interseeded?
1: Yeah, so uh, the, the goal is to start clean at interseeding. And so... We typically recommend a, a post-emergence pass of glyphosate in the Roundup Ready system or glufosinate could be used if you have a Liberty Link trait uh, because these products don't have any residual activity and provide pretty good post-emergence weed control and allow you to start clean. But you know, this kind of simple one pass program is, is often not enough. And so we've been doing field trials for probably the past six to eight years here at Penn State to help identify uh, residual herbicide programs that can be used kind of as a setup program in a two-pass uh, herbicide program approach. Um, and so there's several short-lived residual herbicides that can be used, um, but many of the pre-programs that you see in corn that include some combination of atrazine, a group 15 herbicide like uh, dual or residual, and a group 27 herbicide like Callisto or Isoxaflutol, uh, those types of programs are going to increase the risk of injury to an interseeded cover crop. We do know a fair amount about corn herbicides and how they differ in soil persistence or the length of activity in the soil. Uh, but we still don't really have a complete picture of where there's differences between cover crop species and their sensitivity to any one particular herbicide that you might be using uh, in a corn program so so right now my program's completing greenhouse studies to determine the relative sensitivity of of different cover crop species the common corn herbicides in hopes that we might find groups of cover crop species that have some tolerance to key herbicides uh, and that might help facilitate the, you know the ability to interseed cover crop mixtures while still using good pre-soil applied residual herbicides in your corn program.
0: When a cover crop is interseeded and it has more uh, sunlight, more hours of uh, heat units applied, how much more biomass is produced when cover crops have that extra jump start from being interseeded?
1: I, I think that's going to depend on when you're you're looking at those cover crops so when we're interceding around v4 or v5 there will be this establishment phase uh, where we'll we'll see some cover crop growth but then we'll see growth kind of uh stop or, or slow significantly after corn canopy closure through kind of perhaps um, late july early august uh, and then resume growth after we start to see corn dry down and and some leaf drop. So total biomass production is also going to depend on species. So a good stand of, say, interseeded annual ryegrass. If you're looking at biomass production at harvest, you may only find about 300 pounds of dry matter per acre out there. Uh, but that can translate to a lot more biomass productivity in the spring if you really have a nice established cover crop there in the fall. Um, I've also seen uh, forage radish, um, for for instance, exceed a 1,000 pounds of dry matter biomass at the time of corn harvest. Typically, this would be on a high fertility dairy farm. But that amount of in-season productivity also means that it likely outcompetes winter hardy cover crop species that you might have in that interseeded mixture, uh, which can reduce spring biomass productivity.
0: How does the date when the corn variety is planted and then harvest, how do those dates influence how successful interseeding might be?
1: Well, I'm not sure that we have a complete picture of which corn management practices have the greatest impact on on interseeding success certainly in a 30-inch uh, row system you know there's planting day considerations there's hybrid day length there's plant architecture genetics to consider like flexier hybrids plant populations all those things can be adjusted but in general we should be thinking about how these cultural practices for corn management can make room for cover crops kind of both in space in time without incurring yield penalties. And so probably more specifically, how can we manage corn so cover crops can withstand the environmental stress between or beneath a corn canopy that is closed during August, um, which is our hottest and driest month. So getting back to planting date and harvest date, if earlier corn planting dates mean a longer window of cover crop establishment and growth before a sustained period of environmental stress, in summer, then that might be a viable cultural practice. And if a shorter day hybrid means earlier fall dry down and and leaf drop, uh, which allows that cover crop to get going again after that period of environmental stress in late summer, then, then that also might be a good cultural practice.
0: So how does the corn being used for maybe grain versus maybe being chopped for silage, does that impact interseeding as well?
1: sure uh yeah it does we we typically see better performance of interseeded cover crops in silage systems for a few reasons first that earlier harvest in silage systems lengthens that fall growing season window but perhaps even more importantly when you're harvesting for silage you're removing all that crop residue Uh, whereas in grain systems we see issues related to the to burial of those interseeded cover crops uh, when there's a lot of fodder left on the field post-harvest. And so corn residues in those grain systems can be a pretty significant issue, particularly in those high yielding environments. But one other note about silage systems, post-harvest establishment of cover crops after silage is typically pretty consistent in my region, um, where many growers are you know, using double crop rilage to corn silage rotations. Um, So the interest in interseeding from dairy producers or or in dairy systems is um, driven in part by this interest in increasing fall forage production or fall grazing potential, rather than thinking about, you know, needing to get those conservation benefits of an overwintering cover crop.
0: What should growers do to manage soil fertility in such a way that it better facilitates interseeding?
1: I don't believe there's been a whole lot of work done on soil fertility management and interseeding. I think the biggest consideration might be interseeding timing relative to side dressing, um, if you're using those split applications. And so modifying equipment, so interseeding and side dressing can be accomplished in a single pass, you know, around that V4 growth stage, has the potential to reduce the labor and fuel costs, and can make interseeding that much more economical. We typically side dress before we intercede because we don't want to run down, you know, newly emerging cover crops or risk foliar burn from from nitrogen nitrogen applications.
0: What have you found is the best plant population for corn to facilitate interseeding? And then on the other side of that coin, what is the best cover crop plant population when you're interseeding
1: as well? So some of my colleagues in the Northeast completed a study several years ago that did evaluate corn population rates um, when you're using flexier hybrids. And that work found that you could reduce seed drop from you know perhaps 32,000 uh, per acre by about 15% without having an uh, impact on yield. Um, And reducing the population did produce a measurable difference in light penetration into the canopy. But, you know, that study was done at only a few locations uh, with just a couple hybrid comparisons. So to really understand how much of a benefit we might get by adjusting plant populations, I think that type of work really needs to be expanded. On the uh, cover crop seeding rate side, we're typically in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 pounds per acre uh, when we're interseeding smaller seeded cover crops. If we're interseeding annual ryegrass alone, we might be in that 15 to 20 pound range. Uh, If we're interseeding a mixture that would include something like red clover and forage radish, we might have 15 pounds of annual ryegrass, or maybe even 20 pounds of annual ryegrass, with four or five pounds of a clover species, and just a pound or so of forage radish. We have found that you can go at too high of a rate forage radish, uh, which can cause some competition, uh, and you don't get the expression of those winter hardy cover crops. So we like to keep our forage radish rates around a pound if it's in a mixture.
0: Have you seen that corn yields take a hit at all when interseeding is done?
1: Sure. that That's often you know one of the first initial questions we get for folks that are interested in the practice. You can interseed too early and see a yield penalty. We've seen yield penalties when interseeding uh, really early around the V2 stage. Part of that yield penalty when you're interseeding that early can be attributed to increased weed pressure because weeds are breaking or emerging with the cover crop at that time and so waiting a few more weeks to intercede to the v4 st- stage means that you're going to get that early season weed flush to occur prior to your last herbicide spray and you'll be more likely to be able to start clean uh, with a good herbicide post pass and in all our work that's focused on interceding you know between the say the v3 to v5 growth stage we're much more likely to see a loss of the interseeded cover crop due to too much corn competition than we are to see corn yield ponies due to cover crop competition.
0: Have you seen if it's more advantageous to interseed maybe a monocrop cover crop species or a cover crop mix?
1: That's a great question. So I, I think it depends on your management objective. Certainly uh, interseeding is an opportunity to increase diversity in your rotation. There's also some support, I think, to the idea that interseeding a mixture increases the consistency of interseeding performance over time and space because Some species will do better under one set of environmental or soil conditions and another species might thrive under another set of conditions. But as a weed scientist, one of my concerns is that, you know, these high diversity cover crop mixtures add some constraints to coming up uh, with a good residual herbicide program that we might be able to use and have the necessary safety for all those species uh, in the mixture. But again, it gets back to management goals. So if your management goal is uh, soil erosion protection, nitrogen retention or scavenging or forage productivity, uh, a monoculture of something like you know, ryegrass might be your best approach. I would just suggest that, you know, interseeding is a, a practice that has to be tailored to your region and your production system. And so I know many of the land grant institutions are are researching this practice. And so you're likely to find some good information through those extension services. There's several farmer groups that are really focused on advancing cover crop practices like Practical Farmers of Iowa or the Pennsylvania No-Till Alliance in my state. Uh, and so those groups can be a really valuable resource. And so I, and finally, I think, you know, soil water conservation districts are starting to acquire these high clearance grain drills that might be available uh, to a grower for a small fee for service. Uh, that might allow them to try that on their farm and and, uh, to get a better understanding of whether it's a good fit for their system.
0: All right, great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, John. Appreciate your insights.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Sarah.
0: Once again, I want to thank our sponsor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planner box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit Newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropsstrategies.com.